This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by WPBoost.net. If you care about speed and conversion and SEO of your website or your clients' websites, then you better check out WPBoost.net. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance and my guest today is Michael F. Shine. He is the founder and president of Microfame Media, a marketing agency that specializes in turning consultants, entrepreneurs, and executives into celebrities by using the hype concepts detailed in the book we're going to talk about today called The Hype Handbook, 12 Indispensable Successful or success secrets, I should say, from the world's greatest propagandists, self-promoters, cult leaders, mischief makers, and boundary breakers. So, Michael, thanks for joining me. It is a pleasure to be here. As I was telling you before we started, I've been a fan of your work for quite a while, so this is a thrill. Oh, well, thanks so much. So, you know, there's a few words uh, that probably set off some alarms for a few people uh, in your title, uh, hype, uh, cult leaders, mischief makers. Um, so how are, how, how are business uh, leaders, uh, business owners, entrepreneurs, some of the people you help, um, how are they, how, how are you trying to get them to think about some of those words that maybe have a little emotion behind them that isn't altogether positive? It, it's, it's very purposeful. I am, yeah. I am purposefully taking strategies from bad guys and I'll tell you why and it's not just to be to be controversial that is yeah. part of it but 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 the reason it is this so when I started exploring this topic and we can get into why I started exploring it but what I figured out is that there are certain group psychology principles that just are you know yeah. you, you yeah. can like them or not like them and they're divorced from the content that they're there to convey so You know, um, things like creating us versus them them dynamics, you know, various things like that, theatricality, whatever. These are just the way things are. And the reason I think, however, that some of these people like propaganda artists and cult leaders and things like that, why is it that they're on balance so much better at this stuff than the rest of us, with some notable exceptions? And when I started exploring this, I thought, is that just because these strategies and tactics are evil? Because then I'm not going to do it. I didn't quit my corporate job to become a con artist. That wasn't really the idea. What I found, though, is that a lot of times these more uh, malodorous people have what we call antisocial personality disorder, things like sociopathy and psychopathy and narcissism. And when they measure the heart rates of people like that, when they get into emotionally stressful situations, their heart rates don't go up. Why is that relevant? It's because they can see the world as a chessboard. They don't let their emotions get in the way. So they're able to just see the world as it is, not how it ought to be. Whereas many of us, we, we well, this shouldn't be how I have to do things. It doesn't feel right. It's not comfortable. I'm not into it. And as a result, the bad guys have, 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 have all the success. And I particularly wanted to make this case and put this, these strategies in the hands of the good guys because they need it. The bad guys don't need it. Well, so, so you actually have, I think, probably, well, I don't know if you coined this term or not, but um, what is a professional hype artist then? I didn't coin the term, but I feel like I'm trying to take it back in the way that, you know, you know, punk rock, the word punk was originally, it meant like a a 
Yeah, it was a real um, pejorative, right? That a was... real pejorative. Yeah, <laughs> a really bad, bad word at one point. Uh, similarly, the word queer, you know, the, yeah, yeah. The, the, the gay rights activists repurpose that word. And, uh, and I'm trying to do the same thing. And I think starting to succeed. The, the way I like to define hype is generating an intense emotional reaction from a large number of people so that they take an action that you want them to take. And that can be a bad action, a good action, a neutral action. And that's all. I mean, that is hype as far as I'm concerned. So a hype artist is someone who is skilled at these strategies. Why do I not just call it a marketer? Because I don't know, marketing has been diluted. If I read another marketing book about how to set up sales funnels properly and use Instagram to do so, you know, um, yeah. I, I think the world's got enough marketers, not enough hype artists, though. Yeah. And, and, and in a way, maybe what you're suggesting is that hype for good or bad, we'll get to that, um, is a way to break through the clutter, right? I mean, because Correct. everybody's online, everybody's got an ebook, everybody's got a funnel. So how do you kind of, how do you stand out? You you make a great point. I mean, I think it's funny that you mentioned that because I think the earliest people who did some of these things that everyone is doing, like Jeff Walker with, with launch or the original funnel builders, they did that stuff, not because they were awesome at using squeeze pages. It's because they understood how to use those tools in the service of psychology and of how people behaved. But what people do now, so they were hype artists as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. yeah the now, seven, though, the people, like, if I copy the squeeze page and the funnel, I'll be successful. And, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. too much of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so who are some of the people that you studied? Um, you know, you're saying the greatest, world's greatest. Who are some of the people that are, or, or processes that you study? So... The, the the very long subtitle that you read uh, shows that the processes, there are 12. So I, yeah. I studied hundreds of these people, only mentioned some. Yeah. But what I found really cool, and, and you'll probably, uh, you know, identify with this as, as a really good student of human behavior yourself, you could boil it all down into 12 overarching principles. People react the same way over and right. over again. And so I looked at people who were really, really bad, you know, like, um, I don't know, what's a good example of someone who's, who's really, really bad. The worst person I included in the book is Charles Manson. However, I included him in the same section of the same chapter as Warren Buffett, because they used very, very similar strategies to be successful in their respective endeavors. In one endeavor being one of the leading to bloodshed and, and mayhem and in the other endeavor adding I think a lot of good to the world of finance yeah. so um but yeah there's all kinds of really colorful characters there's Alice Cooper's manager Shep Gordon there's Amy Semple McPherson who was the uh basically the template for all celebrity preachers that came after her um there's Edward Bernays who is the self-styled father of public relations he invented the term he originally called it propaganda but had to change it after the war um you know there there are just so many great stories that was the most fun part actually in researching yeah. this book the stories are so colorful would you without making a political state political statement um put our current president in the category of this 
he's the best type artist in the world. <laughs> I don't want to talk about what else he may or may not be good at. Yeah. However, it, it's funny. I um I can actually pinpoint the moment that I decided to write this book when when it formed in my head. I it was years ago. And I had been interested in this stuff for a long time. And I was on a business trip and I was in the hotel room. And I always read these kind of weird esoteric books. So I was reading this book called The Crowd by Gustav Le Bon. It's from like 1895. And it's the first book of crowd psychology. This guy saw the Paris Commune burn his city to the ground for no real reason and wanted to figure out how crowds act irrationally. And I was watching one of the very first Donald Trump debates when he was like a game show host. No one thought he could could, could win. And I was sort of flipping through this book and, and I, I am telling you, it clicked in my head. I was like, this guy's going to win. It was like this book was written about Donald Trump. I mean, they said things like the crowd responds to symbols of prestige when prestige doesn't do. Money is an excellent substitute. The, the crowd... Um, responds to vague, future-focused language, I, like crazy. And I'm watching this debate, and I was like, there, there's just something here. This is really interesting. <laughs> so so one of the things that I think runs through a few of these uh, success streakers is um, quite often the technique requires an enemy, um, that there there's like polarization. Right. You know, th- this is not going to work unless you piss a bunch of people off, you know, on one end of the spectrum. And that's what's going to attract people on the other end of the spectrum. Is that um, is that a true statement? It's a true statement, but with a caveat. I think that a lot of times when people hear that, they equate that with trolling and yeah. they go around and they insult people and this and that. Right. I would say that that's not what that's about. I would actually say that's for most people counterproductive. I think what it, it's more about is positioning yourself very strongly against even a set of ideas, right? It's so, so, and it could be personified by a person or another group, but it doesn't have to be. So, I mean, a great example, and I talk about this in the book, are the, uh, the 37 Signals guys, the base mm-hmm. camp guys, mm-hmm. because they had a piece of software, have a piece of software that's a you know, a project management tool that's extremely stripped down and simple by design. And at the time they came on the scene, that was unheard of. It it was, it was industry standard to build as many functions into your software as possible. And so they could have just said, Hey, are things easy to use Buy the easy to use project management software? But they didn't. Jason Fried, he continually, the, the CEO would position himself against the idea of complexity in business, not just in project management. We need shorter weeks. We need more efficiency. We need more simplicity. And he built this like cult around himself, a positive cult as far as I'm concerned, that just trickled down into this software. But he never called out Gary Vaynerchuk by name, who I did. That's a different story. But who's the hustle, hustle, work, work, work guy. Although it was implicit. You know what I mean? But he didn't have to. He just had to position himself against an idea. And so that can be very useful. And now let's hear a word from our sponsor. The website has become the hub of your business. But if that website loads slowly, people, visitors, they won't tolerate that. And guess what? Neither will Google. It's become an increasingly important 
factor in ranking your websites, how fast your site loads. If you want to find out if you've got an issue with this, if you want to find out how to fix this, check out WPBoost.net and see if they can help you identify how to make your site load faster. That's WPBoost.net. In some ways, what you're really tapping are just kind of uh, proven sort of persuasion and, and, you know, kind of needling like human nature, like people react this way, like you talked about in the book, uh, the crowd, uh, people react a certain way. That's just human nature. I mean, are we, is that really what we're tapping is just kind of principles of persuasion? Yeah, to an extent. Um, I would say that the only difference is that I'm focused a little more on on the crowd versus the one by one. And there's obviously going to be some overlap, but some of the pieces that I discuss in the book are how when people get into crowds, both virtual and in person, they can experience emotion differently than on a one by one basis. And we see it at church, we see it at rock concerts, we, yeah. you know. And so if you're trying to build attention, I mean, it's a business book. And if you're trying to drive attention to your what you're selling, you want that to be in large numbers, hopefully. And you can play with crowd dynamics to make that happen. But there's a lot of overlap with traditional persuasion. So speaking of uh, persuasion, um, Robert Cialdani's book, uh, Influence, um, <laughs> he told me uh, a couple of years ago when we did an interview on this show that he wrote that book really more as a warning to, you know, don't be persuaded, don't be influenced by the way people are trying to influence you. Uh, it then, of course, turned into the Bible for people trying, yeah, to, trying, to, trying to influence. Would you say that there's some aspect of that with the High Pan book, that it's it's part warning as well as part tutorial? Kind of, but in a way, because of examples like Robert Cialdini and, to be frank, Ryan Holiday, who we were talking about before, mm -hmm. I went out of my way to make it a manual and a prescriptive book because yeah. my goal is to put this stuff in the hands of the good guys. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. So I love Ryan holiday. We were talking about him and I love his book. Trust me, I'm lying. Mm -hmm. However, I have a critique. It, it was good for him, but maybe not for the world. So Ryan holiday, it was very convenient. He did all of this kind of mischief making to promote his own career. And then when he was wealthy and, and whatever, he writes this book saying, I repent for my sins and I'm going to lay out all of the horrible things I do to atone. However, that was very convenient because he knew that anyone could use that book to, to as a roadmap. I mean, he even alluded to it. What it really did was allow Ryan Holiday to make the transition from professional mischief maker to the seasoned, austere writer about stoicism that he is today. And then later... He wrote an article, said, don't follow the alt-rights tricks. They learned it from me. Well, if you were so concerned about them learning it from you, why did you write the book, right? So I, I love the guy. I think he's a good guy at heart. But this concept that, like, we're just trying to warn people, I don't know. I would say let's just be a little more direct about it and say, listen, the bad guys already get this stuff. Let's give the same tools to the good guys, that, the best defense is a good offense. 
So what are a couple of your, I don't know, let's say since there are 12, let's, let's maybe I give you the option to unpack like two, uh, just briefly share, share kind of, and, and they don't have to be your favorites. People ask me that all the time. I wrote a book that had, my last book had 366 separate entries and people kept <laughs> asking me, what's your favorite? I was like, hey, how could I say that? So, uh, so give me, uh, unpack a couple of the secrets for us. I'll, I'll talk about some that I think are maybe the quickest okay. to unfurl in your own life. I mean, some of these things are a little, they're kind of like advanced Dungeons and Dragons rather than regular Dungeons and Dragons, right? Okay. But if you're, if, if, if you're on any level, I think one that I found really helpful for me and that other people have found helpful is something I call piggybacking or creating a secret society. So um, it, it's funny, the gentleman that I brought up before, Edward Bernays, who was the father of public relations, he was responsible, among many other things, for getting Americans to eat bacon for breakfast. Before the 20s, Americans did not typically eat bacon for breakfast. And his, and now it's the American bacon and eggs. That's the American meal, right? So his client was Beechnut, which was a major pork producer at, at the time. And he was tasked with upping pork consumption. So he had all of these ties, these strong ties with people under the surface. So he called up or wrote a letter to whatever it was, this doctor at the time who was tied to like 5,000 other doctors. And now this was not ethical, but it shows the power of what you can do in an ethical way. He basically got this doctor to write a letter to 5,000 physicians across the country doing a study, quote unquote, saying, citing a study that bacon is the perfect breakfast food because it replaces the energy that you lose during sleep. So before long, doctors were recommending bacon to everyone in the country. So the, the moral of this story is not to lie. The moral is a lot of times in marketing, we, we think that it's really important to build our following and, and whatnot, person by person by person by person. And I think what the savviest marketers do, aka hype artists, is that they make it look like things are happening in a grassroots way. They do a little bit of grassroots activity. But what they're doing is always fostering almost, I don't even want to call it networking. It's deeper than that. Ca creating this secret society under the surface, this tight knit club that when they're ready to launch something, all the pins are in place to, to, to make it happen. And I've already heard you mention the names of three people that you're friends with. And I can tell a, because I've read about you and your friends and because I, the way you present it, this was not name dropping. You're literally their friends, but you guys are a club. You're like the content marketing, like mafia, you know what I mean? And I say that in a positive way. And that's really important. You've done this thing. So, I mean, there, there are ways to do this. And I, I think a lot of it comes down to interacting with people as human beings. The way I've used social media most effectively is I'll look for people that I want to know. And I'll scan and I'll look for some kind of human thing to connect on. Like, I'll never say, let me meet you for coffee and pick your brain about business or whatever. I'll see if we have a band that we like in common or a sports team or whatever. And I'll talk about that. And these people are humans, too. Yeah. Or I'll do what you do. I, I, if I have a podcast or an article or I have a Psychology Today column, hey, can I interview you for that column? 
And then you do what you would do for friends. You help them out and you don't ask for something in between, but you're constantly doing that. So then when it's trying, time to release something, boom, your secret society makes it happen for you. So when when an entrepreneur or a consultant or executive uh, that you mentioned in or that I mentioned in your bio um, shows up on your door and says, you know, I want to be a celebrity. What what's kind of the process for that? <laughs> that obviously you've got to figure out who they are, what they know, who they know. But, but but what's kind of your starting process for turning somebody into a celebrity? It's a it's a good question. I mean, so I should say though, what's so beautiful about the world now, and I'm sure you've heard this from scores of guests on your show is that you don't have to be a celebrity celebrity now. You have to be a micro celebrity. Right. And, and my company's called Microfame Media for a week reason. That was what we were known for before the hype thing, you know, um, yeah, yeah. became a focus. So first of all, I figure out what's the right micro space to live in. And then I come up with them through a series of exercises we have with that contrarian point of view. Well, just like what we talked about, what's that thing they're against? I ask them, What's a point of view in your industry that everyone believes or most people believe that just drives you crazy that you absolutely can't stand, you know, <laughs> and we build everything around that. And then according to these hype principles, th th that's my strategic framework, but we conduct experiments. I mean, we run sprints because, you know, this idea that you can do A, B, C, D and E and get F, I, I just don't believe. Sure. I think, yeah, by the time the book's written about it, it's too late. And yeah, we just talked about that. Yeah. There's a lot of kismet that goes into uh, to hype. <laughs> yeah. So so we run experiments. We have yeah. hypotheses based on the concepts, and then we, we run experiments, basically. So, Michael, tell people where they can find uh, out more about your work uh, at Microfame Media and then obviously the, the hype handbook as well. Sure. Well, well, thanks, Sean. I mean, uh, yeah, our company is microfamemedia.com. So that that part's easy. My website is uh, Michael F. Shine, S-C-H-E-I-N.com. Um, you know, the, the book is is if you have a local bookstore that, that carries this kind of stuff and it's open, I'm always a big fan of supporting yeah. local bookstores. But of course, it's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all of that. Um, I guess one other fun thing that I do, if this is talking to the listeners, your kind of thing, because I read all of these crazy books, people started to ask me for recommendations because they weren't the typical. And there's a lot of great regular business books and marketing books, but I wasn't reading them and people wanted to know what they I was, but I wasn't talking about them and people wanted to know what these were. So I created a hype book club. So um, I send out regular I recommendations. I stole that from Ryan Holiday too, but he just sends out anything he's reading. Mine is about all you know, all the the crazies in history who get a lot of yeah. people to uh, rally around them. So that's um, hypereads.com slash list forward slash list. Awesome. Well, Michael, thanks for dropping by the Duct Tape Marketing uh, Podcast, and hopefully we'll run into you someday when we're all back out there on the road. I'll I'll be there. Thank you.